Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of daily fantasy sports and gambling. So you can stop Googling how to join a squid game to cover all those parlays you thought were such a sure thing. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. All right, folks. The NBA playoffs are here. We have the play-in games decided. So uh, we now know who's going to be playing whom in all the matchups. So let's just uh, run it down by conference first. So we're going to start off with the West. Overall top seed, the Phoenix Suns. Everyone knew that. You have a surprising result in the playing games. The Pelicans actually made it in. Uh, as the eighth seed, because uh, they managed to win two games, so they beat uh, the Spurs, uh, and then they played the winner of the, I mean, the loser of the Clippers uh, T Bulls game, which happened to be the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers, you know, <laughs> I still think the Clippers were the better team, even without Paul George, uh, and the Pelicans managed to make a comeback off of. Uh, a big lead, the Clippers blew, and that was that. Uh, Paul George didn't play because of uh, COVID protocols, and I don't think it made a lick of difference. I, I still think the Clippers should have won that game, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. The Pelicans uh, are the eight seed. They're likely getting swept. Uh, I'll be shocked if they even take a game, uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, from the Suns. Uh, but, uh, you know, Pelicans are the eight seed. Uh, the thing still I would say to look out for in this series is DeAndre Ayton, because no one's going to talk about this, but DeAndre Ayton didn't get his uh, contra- uh, Supermax deal from the Suns. The Suns are run by not only a misogynist, possible racist Robert S- Sarver, but first and foremost, he is a notorious cheapskate. So even though the NBA may want to get rid of Sarver, and are stuck with him for the time being, uh, you know, with multiple uh, sexual harassment allegations against him, uh, there's a real good chance that Aiton is auditioning for his next team. And that next team very well could be the Knicks. Because I know people want to throw out all these different destinations from Julius Randle, but I haven't heard a single person bring up the fact that he could get traded to the Suns. Because look at it this way. The Suns are cheap. Aiton wants a uh, Supermax deal. Randall got his money. He got extended. It's not a true Supermax deal. He's already played out a year. There's a real chance that even though he is, compared to Aiton, 70 cents on the dollar, I can see the Suns willing to trade Aiton in a sign-and-trade deal with the Knicks 
get 85 cents on a dollar with Randall's contract just to save the extra money of not having to pay Aiton. And, you know, Aiton's a better player than Randall. He's going to be auditioning for teams. You know, I'm I'm just saying, folks, that's something you should be keeping your eyes out for. Uh, Chris Paul uh, is back. He should be healthy. He should dominate on this Pelicans team. I don't see anything worthwhile uh, talking about with the Pelicans. Yes, they managed to win without Zion. Uh, I mean, there's that. (laughs) Like, Zion has no desire of playing on this team. I know people keep talking about the the plays, Zion getting traded to the Knicks. I'm just saying, like, Zion hasn't played. It would be so idiotic for the Knicks to make a major trade for Zion and sign him to an extension off of not actually seeing the dude play. That's why this whole Zion Williamson situation makes no sense about him sitting out if if he's actually healthy. If he's truly hurt, which I have to think he's got to be somewhat hurt, because it just doesn't make any sense. Like, from a representation standpoint, you want at least some game tape out there. But it's it's just, it is what it is. So, um, yeah, I, I just look at this case of, you know, Brandon Ingram's got to uh, uh, have a monster game, and along with C.J. McCollum, just to win a game in this series. I just think this is a terrible matchup. Next up is a... Actually, this is the matchup I think is going to be somewhat interesting. The Memphis Grizzlies as the two-seed. Yes, the Memphis Grizzlies with John Morant, the player the Knicks should have at least been able to get if they weren't going to be able to get Zion, except the Knicks fell to third and got stuck with R.J. Barrett, which I have been ranting about for years at this point. Um, the Grizzlies as the two seed are playing the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, who won the original, uh, the first playing game. Here's the thing. Uh, this is actually one of the worst matchups Memphis could have drawn in the first round. I think the Grizzlies would have been better off playing the Nuggets, to be perfectly honest. It's just that there's no way for, uh, the, uh, uh, no way that was going to happen uh, based off of it. Like, they would have rather played the Nuggets or they would have rather played the Clippers. But the problem that I see here is that Minnesota has the wingspan across all because uh, you've got uh, Anthony Edwards. you got uh, Towns clogging up the middle uh, when he's not doing dumb stuff. Minnesota defensively can give uh, can give a lot of trouble to Memphis because outside of Jod, they don't really have that much. They have perimeter shooters, but they don't have great perimeter shooters. Like Memphis is solid, but their offense is still kind of limited in terms of explosiveness of being able to pull away from teams. So I expect this to be a tighter series, even though. I still think Memphis should win this in about five, maybe six games. I think this is going to be a tighter series just because it's going to be harder for Memphis to blow teams out and put and put them away hard uh, compared to uh, some of these other squads. It it's a lot of uh, a lot of the same issues that uh, the Mavericks have, which is why. And we got to get to that uh, main talking point because I think that series uh, flipped on a dime. 
with the Luca news, which you'll get, we'll get to. Um, I, I, I think that's the bet to go with, but, uh, we'll, we'll get to that uh, series in a moment, but, uh, the Grizzlies, uh, yeah, I would keep an eye out for John Morant. This is the coming out part, but it's also coming out part for Anthony Edwards. Uh, I know people are going to talk about Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns does not uh, stir the drink, if you will, for the T-Wolves. It's, it's Anthony Edwards. Uh, Anthony Edwards is the leader of that team. He took over for Towns. He's the one doing the most of the heavy lifting. Towns gets the headlines, but uh, it's hers a priority. It's actually Anthony Edwards. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, then Towns, in terms of priority, if in terms of factors uh, of this series, in my opinion, for the T-Bulls, uh, those are your top three. Towns is third. But for Morant, it's basically him and his supporting cast, but it's the strength of his being that good, that's what's carried him to the two-seed. Um, number three, we have the Warriors against the Nuggets. Listen, Nikola Jokic is the MVP for uh, of the league, in my opinion, for the Nuggets. Just because outside of Luka, this is the worst supporting cast in the NBA. Uh, got Still no Jamal Murray. People thought Jamal Murray was going to be healthy for the playoffs. Apparently, Jamal Murray is in limbo. Like It, it seems very conflicted, the reports on Jamal Murray, if he's actually healthy or not. Um, it seems as though he might be healthy, but... They haven't said anything about him coming back into the fold, and it, it's kind of weird because uh, it seems as though Jamal Murray might be holding himself out until next year, which, you know, okay, if like he's worried about his uh, contract extension and not getting hurt in the playoffs, okay, but it's like Michael Porter Jr., still not uh, ready to go. It's just Jokic and a lot of seedless, like, you know, they, they play hard, but, like, this is the playoffs. Like, you actually need horses in the playoffs, and it's just the Nuggets don't have anything. And like, the Nuggets could easily get swept out in this first round against the Warriors. But, uh, depending on how healthy Steph Curry is, they say Steph is ready for the postseason. If Steph is ready to go, this could be a sweep. And not just a sweep, it could be a stomp of a sweep. Because I, I just like when Jokic isn't on the floor, the Nuggets are literally the worst team in basketball. They might be I actually think they're worse than the Knicks and some other teams. But it's like the they like the, the Nuggets without Jokic and their starters and uh and particularly their second unit, like when they have to pull their starters, including Jokic. They might actually be worse than uh, the uh, than teams like the the Thunder or the Rockets. Like they're they're just as bad, if not worse, than some of those teams. So I'm just saying, like Golden State has waves of people to throw at you and keep shooting the rock. I I, I worry about this series getting away from Denver in a hurry. Uh, they have to play major minutes to the Marcus Cousins because they don't have any other options really at center when Jokic isn't able to play. I- I'm sorry, they like this to me is the most straightforward matchup where uh, this is a just a bad matchup in general uh, for a team. And the thing is, people are going to do like the referendum on Jokic didn't deserve the MVP, 
last year. He does. He definitely doesn't deserve it this year. He absolutely deserves it. Like, look at this roster without Jamal Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr. You're basically relying on Will Barton being your number two. I'm sorry. Like, this roster has no business being in the playoffs with the injuries that they had. And, yes, people are going to talk about Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon does not have the offense to be a starting caliber player in the playoffs. I'm sorry. that That's just a reality situation. Like, defensively, yes, can uh, he be elite? Can he jump real high, pull off uh, impressive dunks? Yes. But from an offensive game standpoint, jump shots off the dribble, Aaron Gordon should not be a starting NBA player in the playoffs. Like, that's just the reality situation. And he's actually expected to be the number two uh, with uh, those guys out. He's really, like, he's really the number three option, maybe. I'm not even sure if you can call him a a third option. I think you're better off just chucking the ball, uh, to be honest. But yeah, it's Will, like, it's Jokic, like, clear number one, then Will Barton, and then figuring out the rest of that, like, the the Nuggets needed somebody, uh, like, either to make a trade or at least get Murray or Porter Jr. back help. Like, it, like, like I said, I talked about this before, like, I thought they were just going to waste another prime year from Jokic on this squad that clearly needed extra oomph for the playoffs. Like, as I said, I I have my doubts. Maybe the Nuggets show up and prove me wrong, but I don't think so. I think this is pretty clear cut. The Warriors in a sweep and maybe a stomp. Um, if the Nuggets don't get any weapons back, and it looks increasingly unlikely that Murray's coming back and Porter Jr. still out. So, I don't know. Um, and then the, uh, the 4-5 matchup between the Mavs and Jazz, the the news of the West and everything else is Luka Doncic uh, and that calf strain is even more serious than we thought. Uh, they already announced that he's out ahead of uh, uh, Game 1, and if they have to announce he's out of Game 1, you can put in the bank he's out for Game 2, too, as well. It, it's just... You don't put out anything saying definitively he's out ahead of game one unless you're holding him out for game two as well. It doesn't make any sense. Usually you do the gamesmanship of he's a game time decision, even though you don't have any intention of playing him. When you outright say, yeah, he's not playing and uh, don't even put in the game time decision nonsense, you're already planning on him being out for the first two home games. I already thought this was a tough series from the Mavs that, I thought the Jazz would win in seven. Without Luka for the first two games, I mean, I'm just saying he's going to be out for the first two games. I, I you know, may, maybe they shock me, but I think Luka's out for at least the first two games now. Uh, and maybe they hope that he can get there in in time for you, uh, uh, when the series shifts to Utah. But without Luka, this could be a sweep uh, for the Jazz, or they win at five. Like they need Luca back ASAP, but again, it's going to come down to without Luca. It's going to come down to Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie, 
And frankly, I think it's pretty much uh, they're going to be one, uh, a traffic going to the Jazzway. If it's not traffic going to the Jazzway, here's the thing. The Knicks are going to be looking at, um, they're going to be looking on the Jazz side because Donovan Mitchell is coming up. Sign and trade, like, again, the Knicks are angling for guys to bring in. And I know folks keep asking me, what are the Knicks going to do? What are they I don't know just yet. I think they're waiting to see whomever they can get enamored with to make a very bad trade for. <laughs> um, and some of these guys are actually good trades. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, if if it's Donovan Mitchell, that that's a that's a reasonable trade. It, I would say uh, DeAndre Ayton, that'd be a reasonable trade. There's also a chance that without Luca here, Jalen Brunson shows out because the usage requires him to give him everything, and then the Knicks get enamored with Jalen Brunson, and then they sign Jalen Brunson to a ridiculous deal that he will never be able to live up to. That would not be a good deal for the Knicks. But that's what I'm talking about here, where, you know, this series, you're going to see a lot of offseason moves predicated on what goes down in this series. But from my standpoint, the the Knicks, uh, uh, I mean, the, the Mavs desperately need Luka back. I, I think this is either a sweep or a five-game series for the Jazz if Luka is missing extended time. I already thought coming into the series, if Luka was healthy, the Jazz might be able to edge him out. But, you know, and you could get good odds on the Jazz to win the title. My whole thing um, about this was uh, the Jazz being undervalued in, in betting markets. So, we'll see. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to the East. Uh, the Miami Heat... Uh, are playing the Atlanta Hawks in the one eight matchup. You know, the East was really tight. It's so, like I don't even consider the Heat to be a clear cut number one seed. They just happen to end up in number one. Um just the way things uh, broke the last two weeks of the year. They were able to hold on to the one seed. But, you know, I I definitely think they can get knocked out by the seventy sixers in the four uh spot. Um you know Again, uh, getting ahead of ourselves here, but, uh, you know, the Hawks, I, I just think they're going to throw waves at uh, Trey Young and force the Hawks to play defense cons- uh, consistently, which I don't think the Hawks can do. I think they will eventually break, and then the Heat just take advantage of it and, you know, kind of do their thing and, and move on. I, I think this series is five games. Uh, most likely, uh, maybe six if Trey has a nuclear game unexpectedly. But I think this is a, this is a five game series, a pretty clear uh, clear cut. Now moving on to the Celtics as the two seed playing the Nets, the most interesting matchup in the first round that uh, from all the casual observers and questions I get and the media, they're focused on KD and Kyrie. Listen. The media wants this narrative to happen because they're pushing, uh, they're they're pushing for it because they want to see the Nets Bucks uh, rematch in the next round. Here's the way I look at it: like people are keep pushing this as if the Nets are like an eighty 
eighty to eighty-five percent chance of winning this series against the Celtics. When in reality, their odds are probably closer to forty to forty-five percent. Like the, the the optics of this series, like people are like really thinking that the Nets are that much better than the Celtics. And you know, yes, the Celtics don't have Robert Williams, but I think the people are selling short the ability of the Celtics to play defense and the inability of the Nets to get stops when they need to in crunch time. Uh, you know, this series is going to be close just because KD and Kyrie, uh, like, when they're on, they're on, and they can just take over a game and steal a game uh, when needed. The problem is, is that, you know, if they're not locked in completely and they have a little slip-up, their defense, well, the the non-existent defense that they have on that roster it's going to make it enough so that even though the Celtics are not in the lead offensive unit, they can still get stops and score the bucket in crunch time. Even though, you know, Jason Tatum may have some big games. It's Jason Tatum's not going to be dominating this entire series. So let's just be honest with ourselves here. So they're going to need, um, they're going to need contributions from that entire roster. They're, they're going to need, uh, Brown and Smart to actually put up good numbers. I mean, so Jalen Brown, Mark Smart, they're they're gonna have to be efficient. They're gonna have to actually uh, play well together. I, you know, which they haven't done in in recent years. So, like this was like a change where you know maybe the uh, <laughs> Brad Stevens experiment. And kind of getting away from Stevens and hearing a different voice is what they needed because, you know, chemistry-wise, they seem to be in much better shape this second half of the year compared to how they looked last year and even the first half of the year uh, when they were struggling. So, again, I'm not saying I expect the Nets to win. I mean, the Celtics to win this series. I think it's closer to, like, 55 the 60% chance that the Celtics win this series, but I see this series going seven, um, in my opinion. Uh, you know, that's just my thought process. You know, we're going to have ebbs and flows in this series. I don't see either side being able to close out the other very quickly. Um, there's going to be a lot of trash talk. There's going to be a lot of back and forth with Kyrie and the fans. Uh, the, the Boston fans are going to be in Brooklyn. Uh, so just be prepared for that. Like you, 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 the Nets are going to have home games and the Celtics fans are still going to be very loud in uh, Barclays. Yeah. The, 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 the Nets, let's be honest. They, they don't have the fans as much as they claim they do. I fully expect that the uh, Barclays will have quite a bit of, of, of Celtics fans as well. Uh, even when the Nets are home. So <laughs> just be prepared for that, and uh, we'll kind of go uh, along those lines. But uh, to me, this is the tightest matchup in the first round in either conference, in my opinion. Uh, I expect that one to go seven. If it doesn't, I'll be kind of surprised, uh, uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, next up, we have the Bucks as three seed playing the Bulls. Happy to be here, Chicago Bulls. Bulls had a hot start to the year, kind of coasted the rest of the second half. I don't expect a whole lot from the Bulls. 
um, you know, they got to the postseason. <laughs> like I, I, I feel like this is the uh, happy we're here team. Maybe they play uh, give uh, the Bucks some trouble in the first two games, um, just because of that energy level. But I expect the Bucks to take care of business. Maybe it's not a full sweep, uh, a four game sweep, but I expect this series to be over by uh, after game five at the latest. I, I don't see a whole lot that the Bulls are offering that Giannis, uh, Middleton, and Holiday can't uh, deflect. I mean, Vucevic always came across as a regular season type player to me. DeMar DeRozan, you know, you love his heart, but his game gets very limited come playoff time because it's a lot harder to score some of those buckets he's more accustomed to getting in certain spaces without hands in his face in the regular season than it is getting those same looks in the postseason when you got lots of hands in your face and you got to try to make those same tough shots. I I, I don't like the Bulls' chances at all. Um, I think this is pretty clear-cut for the Bucks. It's just a matter of, is it a sweep or is it in five games? Then an- another series that, you know, Regular season versus playoffs. 76ers and Raptors. Listen, I expect the 76ers to win this series. I don't actually expect it to be that close. And I'm not saying because of James Harden. I'm saying because the 76ers bench has been underestimated this entire season. Because even without Ben Simmons, they were still a top three seed. They got worse with the... the, uh, uh, with uh, the Harden trade because they were trying to force in Harden and Harden is out of shape and not ready. So here's here's the not-so-shocking prediction that I think is going to happen this postseason. Harden is still going to be out of shape, still not put up much n- in way of numbers for the 76ers. 76ers fans are going to get on Harden's ass and we could have a meltdown situation later on the postseason with James Harden and the 76ers, even though... They could be doing well in the series. We could have some behind-the-scenes stuff with James Harden. I think the most important person behind Joel Embiid for the 76ers right now, and it's just been the case throughout the uh, season, is Tyrese Maxey. Maxey has taken the step up of being a starting point guard. Yes, Harden's there, but Maxey has still been holding his own. in the second half of the year while Harden been doing whatever he's doing. Um, like I said, I don't see anything coming out of Harden. That's like you would consider elite level. And I know people are going to be looking at folks saying, um, you know, where, what's James Harden doing? What, why is he put up big numbers? James Harden looks out of shape, folks. Like there's no fans or buts about it. It's like, uh, Katie may end up being right about James Harden, not being prepared for doing a championship run because for whatever reason, like Harden, you know, he, they keep claiming he got injured during it. Like it just looks like Harden was not really focused on doing what he needed to do. And it's been compounding throughout the year. So it is what it is. Oh, and by the way, we still have no Ben Simmons alerts yet on when he's actually going to show up. So, we still may not see Ben Simmons this postseason. I'm I, like they keep saying Ben Simmons is working his way back, but he still hasn't appeared yet. I'm just saying when 
things get dicey for the Nets, don't be trying to play the Ben Simmons card to turn the tide against the Celtics. Uh, I, I think that would be more of a mistake. I think the Celtics would rather have Ben Simmons out there uh, as opposed to some of these uh, guys because they know Ben Simmons is not going to shoot in crunch time and they can just foul Ben Simmons uh, and put him on the free throw line, which is why he got that whole anxiety in the first place about being put on the uh, free throw line because he doesn't think he can hit the free throws. But anyway, from uh, the tangent I had, I don't see a whole lot out of the Raptors. Uh, again, excellent regular season, but come postseason, you need another mix. And like when they had Kyle Lowry, they had that other score, dependable score to go with Van Vliet and Siakam. Without Lowry, it's like they never really replaced that. They they traded away Norm Powell. Like the Raptors just don't have a lot of like. They're solid for the regular season. They like they can win games in regular season. It's just they don't have the horses anymore to kind of carry them in the postseason. And it's not like Siakam's a superstar. He's a tier below Jason Tatum. Van Fleet, it's a couple of tiers below some of the more elite guards in the NBA. They're good enough. Like they're in that same spot the Knicks were last year, where you know, excellent regular season. You know, you 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 probably exceed the expectations. But you got nothing for the postseason to get over a hump anywhere, and you need a good matchup to advance. This ain't that matchup. So I think this goes to Philly, um, maybe five, six games, but I don't see anything from the Raptors that would give me any pause about this. The question is, does James Harden actually show up? And my estimation, that answer is going to be a resounding no. We shall see, um, but I would not be shocked in the slightest that we start hearing whispers of what's going on with James Harden. Uh, he's still not showing up uh, doing what he needs to do in the postseason. Uh, I, I think um, I think we might be uh, a little bit removed from that because, uh, like I said, I don't expect much from this Toronto team, but when they get into a matchup next round against the Heat, a lot of eyes are going to be on Harden. And I'm just saying, I don't think people are going to like what they see. So that's all I got uh, for you folks uh, in terms of uh, the breakdown of the first round. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, the Luka news definitely makes it a more clear-cut advantage jazz, in my opinion, and shortens the series. Uh, I thought uh, jazz uh, were a nice bet coming into the postseason. To win the title, I still think that's a, a viable, uh, and you can check out all the uh, spreads uh, from uh, uh, um, uh, the episode I, I did on that for the odds, but uh, I think they're all pretty viable still, so uh, yeah, that's going to do it for me, folks, but uh, in, uh, enjoy the games uh, coming up, and uh, until next time, we'll, uh, I'll be seeing you. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.
Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.